Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. The show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Fringe. Today we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 12, titled Welcome to Westfield. God, this episode, it's so weird and so creepy and so trippy and I love it so much. It's such a fantastic episode, but it's so goddamn weird. It's so, so goddamn weird in every possible way and I love it. Uh, But before we get into the meat of this episode, we are still dealing an alternate timeline weirdness, so it's time to get into... Everyone's favorite segment, Things That Are Different. God, that's stupid. God damn it. I need to, I need to stop it. I, I need to cut that off in its tracks, but I'm not going to. Uh, because I have no, no form of willpower at all. I'd be a terrible Green Lantern. Uh, <laughs> Shout out to the two people who got that joke. Uh, (laughs) So, there's really only one thing I want to call attention to in this episode, and that is that the whole case in Adina, you know, the Adina hum, the people who became disfigured because of experiments and then had that thing operating to cover it up, the hot artichokes rarely keep. Norwegian elephants Singapore sleep. Like that one. That never happened. That That's a case that never occurred in any way. I'm curious to know if it's because, like, those people never got disfigured. Or if it's because it just never popped up on Fringe Division's radar. I'm very curious which one of those is the case. Eh, we'll never know. Uh, but, yeah, that case never happened. And that is it for this installment of... Things that are different! God, I don't know. I don't know what's worth worse. That or the Hard Artichokes song. Hard Artichokes, rarely keep Norwegian elephant Singapore sleep. <laughs> Oh, God, I got that song in my head now! Damn you! (laughs) Damn you, Walter Bishop! Why did you make such a catchy song? (laughs) Anyway, so, there's a bunch of stuff going on in this episode, including a big A story. But before we get into that, I want to mention a quick little bit of B-plot. So, at the beginning of this episode, Walter and Peter have finished creation of a biomechanical interface so that Peter can connect to the machine and hopefully get him back to his timeline. Uh, Because in this timeline, 
Peter doesn't exist, therefore Peter's not the way to operate the machine. So basically they found a way to work around that, uh, and so that isn't an issue at all. They just need Broyles to approve testing on the machine, blah, 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 blah. I also, I, man, I wanted to bring this up mostly because I find it very interesting, because we've talked many, many times about the implication between that finale and that uh, every relationship is reciprocal thing that Walter brought up way back when, that, like, Peter made the vacuum irrelevant, so the vacuum made Peter irrelevant. Like, Peter broke the time loop, thereby uh, destroying the vacuum's reason for existing. And so, it just removed Peter from existence just out of spite. Like, I love that they, they've done such a good job of setting up the vacuum as, like, this cognizant being. Like, not just a piece of tech, but, like, a thing that has, like, some form of temperament and has some form of, like, personality to it. But when Peter made the vacuum irrelevant, the vacuum made Peter irrelevant and erased it from the and erased him from the timeline. And that turned out to be not so permanent. <laughs> that turned out to be not so uh, uh not so definitive. So F U vacuum, F U machine. Uh but like I find it very interesting that the vacuum made Peter irrelevant so completely that it just completely changed itself. It changed its own power source. Like, I love that. I, I love how, how much spite went into the vacuum erasing Peter from the timeline. That it's like, yeah, I'm going to change my own power source just to make Peter irrelevant. Because Peter made me irrelevant. Like, I love that. 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 Uh... I'm also very curious as to what the power source was in this alternate timeline pre-Peter. That's a that's a conversation for another day. Anyway, but they created this biomechanical interface, but this immediately gets sidelined by fringe case for working. So initially this starts off fairly simple. A bunch of cars on the highway just had electrical interference, just went dead. Got stopped on a highway. A plane crashed because of this same thing. There's electromagnetic interference. Things are magnetized. Objects were suspended in midair because of the electromagnetism. Blah, 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 blah. Everything's weird. This starts out like a very, very simple fringe case. And then Olivia, Walter, and Peter go get some rhubarb pie (laughs) in... Westfield. And that's where shit gets weird. That's where shit gets super bizarre. Like, they arrive in Westworld, and immediately we get this incredible diner sequence that I absolutely love with this guy who is being all nice and, ah, da 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 da, you, you're, you're a nice guy, I like you, your rhubarb pie is on the house, da And then he'll just automatically switch to, You trying to steal from me, old man? No one steals from me. Not you, not Cliff, not nobody. To, Oh, I I totally forgot to get you your rhubarb pie, sir. I'll, I'll I'll get you that rhubarb pie. Okay, here you go. 
and knife fight. Like, just, I love that sequence. It's so good. It's so unsettling. This actor, I don't know who he is. Uh, and I don't know if I'll be able to find uh, what his uh, what his name is on the IMDb. I don't know if they ever name this character. So it might be difficult to, uh, to track down his name. But I'm going to try as I'm talking. But, like, holy crap, that dude does such a good job. And he's so unsettling in his performance like just everything about that sequence is so good they find dead bodies all over the place it's fantastic it is absolutely freaking fantastic yeah i can't i can't figure out who it is damn it i'm sorry i'm sorry random guy you were so good and i wish i could name you but like i i can't i can't remember i can't figure out which one you are there's one guy credited as Crazy Man. I don't know if that's the dude. Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But that guy's amazing. That guy is really, really cool. Uh, he's a great little bit part. But they find, like, bodies uh, scattered throughout the diner. Uh, there's one guy who's on the brink of death whose life they save via transfusion. They try to leave Westfield, and they get into this little infinite loop where... They can't leave. Like, if they leave, they just come right back. And if they leave again, they just come right back again. And if they leave again, they just come right back again. And so on and so forth. It's just this constant circle that they're in. Like, it just loops back on itself. And basically, what's happening here, explained by this man, is that a few nights ago, people started going crazy in mass. Uh, People started talking about uh, people they never met or not recognizing people they have met, their own, like, spouses or family members. Uh, They start, like, acting strange, and then it goes from confusion to paranoia and sometimes, as we see with the Diner Man, even violence. And it's just caused complete and utter chaos and if you try to leave, of course, you just come right back. Like, it's just caused this complete and utter destruction. Uh, a bunch of people who seemingly are immune are held up at a high school. But even among that crowd, slowly some people are starting to exhibit those symptoms. Slowly people are starting to exhibit uh, that confusion. It's just taking a little bit longer. And so... We have no idea what's going on here. Also, like, the guy in the diner had, like, two irises in each eye. Uh, so, like, there's, like, this weird duplication of body parts almost. And we go to this school. We lump in with all the other people. And we're trying to figure out what's happening. Uh, by the way, there's this one great moment where we see this man just walking down the street blank faced with like a bloody doll in his hand and he's just walking down the street acting all creepy and like Peter has a gun pointed at him he never acknowledges him he just walks down and Peter's just like we gotta get out of this town and like, it's so creepy it's such a creepy moment like that is a moment straight out of a horror movie and I love it uh, this is I love it when Fringe goes weird like this. I love it when Fringe just goes nuts and does something bizarre and does something insane. 
Like, it's it's great. It's always, always freaking great. Uh, there's also a brief, like, moment of terror where when it's looking like Olivia might be affected by this. But eventually we find out, no, she's good. She's good. Like, she has some moments of confusion. She has some moments of, like, feeling, like, woozy and stuff. At one point, it looks almost like she's having, like, a stroke, kind of. Like, she kind of starts, like, talking nonsense uh, in a way that, like, is kind of consistent with a stroke. Uh, but it would appear that she's good. It would appear that she's fine. Uh, but after examining someone who is in the middle of having this stuff happen to her, uh, they talk to her, they talk about how, like, uh, she keeps saying, Oh, I talked to my husband this morning, but her husband died years ago, and she keeps going back and forth between my husband's dead and I talked to my husband this morning, my husband's dead, I talked to my husband this morning, on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Uh, they take her blood and analyze it before she breaks out and kills herself, which, uh, yeah. Uh, and apparently she has twice the amount of chromosomes that she's supposed to have in her blood. And based on this and everything that's happened so far... Walter forms the conclusion that somehow in this town of Westfield, the two universes have combined. Somehow in the, like the universes are overlapping in this town, uh, causing people, uh, causing places to merge, causing people to merge with their doppelgangers, which is why you get this flipping back and bolt forth, these duplicating body parts, this confusion, this paranoia, this violence. It's all coming from that psychosis that comes from, like, literally merging with your doppelganger. Uh, and, like, there's all these consequences of two, two universes existing in one spot. Two places existing in one spot. And this is kind of what's going on. Like, this is kind of the insanity that we're seeing. And the few people who are, quote-unquote, immune are people whose doppelgangers don't live in that town. Are people whose doppelgangers don't live there. You have this one guy who's like, man, I... I should have taken that job in Philadelphia, but I didn't want to leave here. If I had just taken it, I wouldn't be here right now. And doppelganger took the job in Philadelphia. And so on and so forth. Now, here's the thing. Something like this cannot occur naturally. It requires an immense amount of energy. It requires an immense amount of power. The kind of power that is generated from processed amphilocytes. Who do we know that has a shit ton of amphilocyte just readily available? Yep. David Robert Jones. David Robert Jones is responsible for all this chaos that's happening in Westfield. Now, as if this isn't enough, turns out all of this that we've been experiencing is just phase one. Phase two is laws of nature 
Physics do not like it when its laws are broken entirely. Like, turns out the universe does not like it when you just kill, when you just completely combine two universes in one spot. Turns out the universe doesn't like it when you completely bend the laws of reality. And turns out after a while, it just goes, nope. And everything in that area destroys itself. So you slowly have this entire town basically just vanishing from existence in front of our eyes. Just slowly, 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 starting from the outskirts of town and then just going inward. And we're in this race against time, against this town that's just blinking out of existence. Uh, Now, basically, we are trying to find, like, the true center of this event. Basically, to find an eye of the storm that is safe from all destruction and will be the only thing left standing in Westfield when all of this is over. So we map that out, we map that out, we map that out. And we find the area where it is, this bike shop. And we get on this bus and just rush over there. I absolutely love this sequence on the bus where this one guy just suddenly has like two faces and is just going nuts and is just lashing out. It's so creepy. It's very reminiscent of the Jacksonville episode. You know, when that building combined with itself and you had that dude with like a face in his stomach and four arms and four legs like just merged together. Like, it's really creepy and really amazing. Uh, And I love that Walter defeats him by just spraying pepper spray in his face. (laughs) Uh, But they rush to the eye of the storm, rush to the eye of the storm, uh, navigate all this destruction, navigate all this... Uh, chaos, eventually make it to this bike shop and ride it out, like, just in time, and true enough, the bike shop is the only thing left standing when all of this chaos is done that was the Eye of the Storm. And then we finally get Broyles and everyone else there, because also I totally forgot to mention the electromagnetic interference uh, that caused the thing with the cars, that caused all this stuff in Westfield... Uh, that was also preventing communication outside of the town. And according to Broyles, they found a bunch of devices around the perimeter of the town that presumably caused this. They had amphilocyte in them. And it is only a fraction of the amount of amphilocyte that Jones has. So, We're far from done with that can of worms. We are far, 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 far from done with that. Now, everything's great. Everything's fine. We're all good. And then, uh, Peter goes and visits Olivia. And Olivia, as we've been kind of seeing bits and pieces of throughout this episode... Starts remembering original timeline shit. Enough to be confused about which Olivia she is. And set up for Olivia and Peter's old Friday night ritual. And start making out with him. And Peter's just like, um, what the hell? 
And that's where the episode ends. So Olivia's remembering the original timeline. Somehow, Olivia is just, like, overwriting her memories with original timeline shenanigans. And that's bleeding through. So, yeah. I, by the way, will remind you of what Chadwick Boseman said in that episode of Peter's Return, where he presented the possibility that Olivia was causing this entity to show up through her Cortexafan powers. The entity, of course, being Peter returning to the timeline. Remember, Cortexafan affects perception. So... Just saying. Just worth mentioning. No particular reason. Also, um, we know that, uh, drugs have been, like, been poured into Olivia's head. Uh, we saw that Olivia had a, uh, a little mini stroke. Uh, the last time Olivia had excess cortexafan pumped into her brain, uh, she had a seizure. Not saying what, what, what's gonna happen in the rest of the season. I'm just saying, like, these are things that happen. These are things that happened, and maybe you should keep them in mind. Just saying. Just saying. Anyway, uh, great episode all around. This is an amazing one. I love it so much. Uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as we go through every single episode of this and other shows, and you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just push a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark pledges a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll put up there once every month. Uh, finally, uh, am ready to actually record that after much prep and wait time. Uh, so I can reveal what it is. Uh, I'm doing a little fun quiz show uh, with Sammy Frick, my cousin slash co- former co-host on CBM Weekly. And... Uh, I'm basically going to present her with death traps from Batman 66, and I'm going to make her tell me which villain it is from, uh, which villain created that death trap in the show. Uh, it's called Whose Death Trap Is It? And, or Whose Death Trap Is This? I, I should say, I should remember the name of my own quiz show. Uh, I'm going to record that tonight with Sammy, and hopefully that'll go up tonight. If not, it'll go up tomorrow, but it'll be up in the very, very near future. Uh, I think it's going to be fun. I'm very, very excited to do that. That should be a real good time. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, Tomorrow we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 13. Talk to you then.